Are you an entrepreneur, industry expert, or influencer? Did you know that speaking is one of the highest paying professions in the world? Download my free PDF checklist now and you can learn how you can become a highly paid speaker. Go to jamieabbott.com forward slash speaker guide. Hello and welcome to Pitch Perfect, the podcast where we shine a spotlight on the power of effective communication, strategic business thinking, and the spirit of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Jamie Abbott. I've spent years mastering the art of public speaking and public relations, weathered the storm in the business world, and have emerged not only surviving, but thriving in the face of challenges. And now I'm here to share my insights and experiences with you, whether you're an entrepreneur looking to take your business to the next level, a marketing professional wanting to sharpen your skills, or simply someone who wants to become a better communicator, this podcast is for you. So buckle up and join me on this journey. Let's learn, grow, and conquer the world of public speaking, public relations, marketing, and business strategy together. Welcome to Pitch Perfect. Well, my guest today is Alpha Schulter. Now, Alpha has over 20 years of experience in the accounting and finance industries, starting out as a corporate tax accountant. Alpha soon realized that she had more of a passion for personal finance and studied a diploma of financial planning. Now, Alpha helps women business owners understand their values, limiting beliefs and habits around money and how to build wealth for the lifestyle style they choose. Alpha, welcome to Pitch Perfect. Thank you very much, Jamie. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so happy to have you here because um, you are in my world. You are, you know, a proud member of PR Club and uh, couldn't wait to get you on the podcast. So many questions. Um, the first one, I guess, I want to know, uh, so many people probably want to know, is why did you decide to specialise in women business owners in the finance part? Yeah, that one, it didn't start that way uh, because when I when I started on my my personal journey, because this is how it began, um, I realised, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much that we don't get taught in school. There's so much we don't learn. There's, oh, my goodness, so many so many mistakes that, that I made and I watched my parents make and I thought, oh, everyone needs to know this. So I, I started out trying to, to spread the words about just generally finance and um, I encountered a lot of different responses, particularly from, from, um, from men. They really wanted to know about crypto and it was all about investing. I was like, but there's so much more than that. Um, and then there was a lot of fear that women had around even talking about money or even acknowledging that they didn't necessarily know and they didn't want to make out like they didn't know. So I thought, oh, I really need to. to so I then was all my clients were, were women. And then I found that in order to sort of have the motivation to do it, it was more women business owners who really had the, you know, because personal development journey hits you like a like a brick when you when you're in your own business and so you you have to learn these things because your livelihood just depends on it so it, it kind of just narrowed down to to that almost organically um and that's that's pretty much all I mean I'm, I'm happy to help um any woman in particular because I think my message is probably and my approach is probably more suited to women uh, but it tends to mainly be women business owners or um, entrepreneurial um characters who are drawn to me so what are some of those mistakes that you made? Oh, credit card debt was one. And that was one thing that I watched my parents um, get a lot into. Um, and I still ended up 
repeating that mistake because we have these beliefs and habits and stories we tell ourselves and unless we deal with them they they rear their ugly heads um, and also I'm quite risk averse so not really knowing that I didn't I, I I took a long time to even start the investing journey because I was just too scared to do anything um, you know I'm, I'm the sort of person where I gather a lot of information and then I sit on it and I was like oh what do I do what do I do like I had analysis paralysis I didn't kind of launch into anything I'd watched my parents make some pretty random property decisions because they're both immigrants from Europe and the Europeans were all into property um, but I watched some things work and some things not so I was like well not all property is good so I can't just launch into that so that was they're probably my two main mistakes was getting into personal debt and then also being a bit too meek when it came to investing when there's so many different ways to invest um, and also just not generally taking risks when it comes to um, earning income and jobs and stuff like that so I think once I got a bit older and a bit more brave I began and gathered knowledge as well. Like that was a big part of it. I, I yeah, I did a lot of learning. Yeah, <laughs> I can so relate to that. So um, just a quick personal story. I actually got my first credit card when I was 18 mm-hmm. and I spent years in debt. In fact, I think it was my early 30s that I actually was almost 80,000 in credit card and personal loan debt. And I just one day I, I read a lot of, you know, Dave Ramsey, I listened to his podcast about the snowball method where you, the yep. idea behind that is you pay down your smallest debt first, regardless mm-hmm. of the interest rate. So it gives you that momentum and that real yep. morale boost. And then that worked for me and I got out of debt and I vowed to never, ever get a credit card. It took me about two or three years to pay it all off. And I vowed I would never get a credit card ever again. It was funny though, because just um, recently we've moved into our brand new house. We've been building and the funds got really low. Like I'm talking, we had like $1,500 left in our account because we had to pay $40,000 to get a new driveway, a new deck, you know, blinds and shutters, all this sort of thing. Um, And I was so tempted to get a credit card, but I thought, nope, I'm going to make this work. How can I get extra money? So I started selling things and then built the bank account back up again and it's now a lot more uh, healthy. But I will never get a credit card again. I think so many people fall into that trap. Do you think as a business owner... It's worse um, when people have that kind of that temptation to use a credit card, especially when they're starting out their business to be able to pay for a new website and some Facebook ads and all the expenses required to starting up a business. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a tricky one, and it is very personal dependent because it, I guess, in a way, it comes down to the beliefs you have and also the how much trust you've got in your own willpower. <laughs> Or your own ability then to to pay it back. Um, definitely when you're starting out a business, even if it's an online business, there's still capital outlay um, and capital outlay can tend to get you into a bit of a debt spiral. And it's then how to build up the income to kind of contend with that. I deal with a lot of um, business owners who are in their startup phase. And I often encourage starting their business more as a side hustle. So they've still got some steady income to go and like just try and build up a certain coffer and work within that. When I first started, I was very scarcity mindset. So I was like, I was trying, I didn't use, I didn't pay for Canva. I didn't pay for Zoom. I was trying to do everything as low cost and, you know, the free versions. Yeah. And I came to realize, I was like, you know what, this is actually constraining me. 
So I was like, I need to, I'll build up a little bit more of a buffer financially and I'll budget that into, into my business. Um, and it's, it's interesting. We, we think of budgeting when it comes to our personal finances, but with a business, you've got to do it almost even more so because your income fluctuates so much, but your expenses tend to stay quite steady. So it's, it's a different methodology for how to, how to go about it. But yeah, as far as credit cards go, um, I've, I have a credit card, but I pay it off every month. So I find I then have buckets of money where I make sure that I save for things. And if I know there's a big expense coming up, like, you know, my annual mastermind or a Kajabi invoice or whatever, I have that money sitting there. So when the bill comes, I can just pay it off. But the payment comes out of the credit card, partly because a lot of payment systems these days are just set up for credit. Even with like a debit credit card, sometimes it's a little bit, mm. I've always used my credit card more like a debit card. When I was 18, I got a credit card because I was traveling, but I put money on it. Um, but then, you know, 10 years later, I ended up with actual credit card debt. So I was, that's why I was just so amazed I can end up in that space. But it, it hits us all. Um, so, yeah, so my answer is it really depends on what your experiences are. And if you've been burned by credit card debt, I can totally understand not having one. And I applaud you for being able to manage without it because it's really difficult in the way our world is set up. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, I think it's funny how you can sometimes help others coming from a position where you've made mistakes, like you've been there and you can relate. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to say we didn't get, this is a, a personal, I'm, I've got a credit card in my company account, but my yeah. personal, I never wanted to get a credit card again and, and never will. And I hope I can instill that into my own children's values. When you talked before about things that we aren't taught at school, why do you think we aren't taught this stuff? I mean, it's 2023 surely and maybe they've changed the curriculum I'm not sure my kids are too young um, to attend school yet but why don't they teach basic financial principles even budgeting in schools these days I don't know and yeah just before we hit record I mentioned I've got my goddaughter is about to turn 18 and I've got a cousin who's in her last year of school they have no idea about money so it isn't getting taught maybe selective schools are choosing to to bring in some curriculum elements of it but I think mainstream it's not there and it's you're right it's 2023 we should be being taught about this we've just gone through a pretty bumpy financial process and we're you know heading you know there's there's debate as to whether or not we're heading into recession to be honest I feel like we are but anyway, that's another topic, but it should be taught. And I could put my cynical hat on as to why I think it's not being taught because a certain degree of ignorance means that you can kind of control the narrative a bit more. Um, not that I, I don't know, maybe it's too hard to teach people about money because you have to, when you, when you teach the principles of money, you kind of have to delve into the mindset side as well because they go hand in hand. And that is tricky. Like I get that would be almost impossible for a teacher to try and handle in a schoolroom environment because it would bring up stuff. Um, and it would also then bring up the differences between what some families have and what some families don't have. So perhaps well, that's, that's yeah, just, that become, makes sense. Yeah. Become too much of a minefield. Um, and that that's possibly there it's, it's all conjecture really but um it, it is it does bring up stuff but to be honest it's better to bring up the stuff when you're like 16 to 18 than it is when you're in your 30s and 40s when it starts to really impact you and that starts to impact your children as well so true like even if I was taught at school if you get a credit card it's not your money <laughs> you need to pay it back 
eventually mm-hmm. at a higher interest rate. And here's how cumulative interest works or compounding interest works. Yeah. Um, or even if they just created something, I mean, they might, I don't know, but they something where they give everyone some play money and they say, you've got this amount of money, let's do a budget for your groceries that week and electricity costs, just basic budgeting. That would have helped me so much as an adult yeah. rather than just thinking money literally grew on trees, you know? Yeah. But that compounding, that is a, it's a really, and that's something they could teach in math. Like, and they, they probably do, but they may not relate it to the concept of money, but mm. compounding something that I find a lot of, a lot of clients and people I speak to, they, they sort of understand it. But then when you really start to put the numbers down, they're like, oh, and it's not just about the interest that you pay, like whether it's on a credit card or a mortgage, it also can work in reverse. So especially at the moment when interest rates on cash are higher than they have been in a while because obviously the interest rates on debt are also higher um it can also work for you as well and even with investing too you know the the earlier invest in that nest egg can just grow and grow it um it that compounding effect actually can work in your favor but we don't hear about the good side of it all that much we all we all hear about like the concerned worry fear side because that's more newsworthy yeah um, so but it's important to balance out the story yeah. And so how can people, um, how do you help people in today's day and age, business owners, how can people get involved into your world and how do you help them in a practical sense? So I, I have quite a holistic kind of approach. And this is why while I studied financial planning and I started to go down that path, I never actually became like a fully fledged financial planner because I feel like a lot of what they are able to do within the boundaries of the industry is very constrained. There's a lot of stuff that happens beforehand, you know, like I said before about, you know, our values. What do we, what do we, what do we value in life? What kind of a lifestyle are we even heading towards? There's this whole kind of, you know, you grow up, you you know, get educated, you get a job, you buy a house. Okay. So, but is that really right for everybody? Some people might want a tiny home on a big block of land out in the the country. Some people might want the big, you know, house and the, you know, the fancy car. What are, what are we heading towards? And it makes it really difficult to plan financially if you don't actually know where you're headed. So I start working with clients to understand their values and their lifestyle. And then we look at beliefs and stories as well, because a lot of that will constrain people once they get to the point where they have to start making decisions or patterns will start to evolve. They're like, oh, I can never do that. Or that never works for me. I was like, okay, let's unpack why that never works. um, And let's figure out how to maybe break the pattern or the cycle of how it's always gone for your family, if that's the story that you're telling. So I tend to start a lot with what I call sort of the foundations. And then we look at just some of the fundamentals of, you know, the kind of buckets, like, do you have an emergency fund in a business? Do you have like planned out what your expenses are for the year? Are there peaks and troughs, how to plan better for those, how to talk to your accountants? You know, what are they talking about when they talk about a balance sheet or a profit and loss? What kind of metrics do you need to know to try and demystify it so it's not so scary as well um and how to make it kind of like okay well this is what happens when this like what's the consequence of making this decision or what's a click through rate um so that's more the business side but i'm also very interested in making sure that um, business owners understand how it impacts their personal lives as well because you know do you want to save for your children um do you want your children to go to private school what kind of retirement do you want do you want to go on a holiday every year and if so what kind of holiday just to try and figure out how holistically to make it all work and then to get the mind aligned with that so that you're making decisions that are actually working for you rather than 
you're kind of going, oh, well, what do I, oh, I just, I'll just do that. Or, oh, that sounds really great. I'll get that. And it's all very reactionary. Um, there's, it's, there's, there's no real intentional plan behind it or strategy. So that's where I come in is to try and help clarify and demystify and support. And so do you work one-on-one with people when you do those kind of sessions? I do work one-on-one. I've launched a membership as well. So there's a, there's a bit of one-on-one and then a group environment. So there's some support um, and I have uh, an online course, which people can do. That's sort of more the basics. Um, and that's that's very much foundational where it looks at values. Um, it looks at income. So I have a sort of a, a five-step process there where we look at how to make more income, how to look at spending, saving, investing, and then the legacy impact. Because the other thing too is not many people, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't generalize, but there's a lot, a lot of families out there that don't have wills. Um, how to manage things when you're gone or even, even now, how do you want to manage? Like, for instance, I'm part of the sandwich generation. So I've got a young daughter who's eight and I've also got parents in their 80s, my, in their 80s. So I'm, I'm sort of managing, you know, young primary and then also what to do with, you know, aging parents too. So trying to figure out how to manage, you know, enduring power as attorney and health directives and all of that as well. So um, helping everyone navigate that and know who to talk to and what terminology, what to ask so that it's not quite so scary. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that you think, oh, I don't need to worry about it because it's not going to happen. And yeah, I'm sure so many people think that way and, and put it off. You mentioned an emergency fund and that's something which, you know, I hear about through like Dave Ramsey, for example, who I talked about, um, one of the financial gurus in the States. I listened to his podcast for years and got me out of, once I got out of debt, actually, I stopped listening, but he has all these different steps, like baby steps. Um, and he talks about an emergency fund on one of those steps. And I think he suggests six months. It's interesting how you said an emergency fund for your business as well. It's not something I've heard of or even thought about before. So do, is that something you suggest having a six-month buffer or, or a three-month buffer if, if the money was to completely stop coming in? Is that the idea behind that? And how does it work in the business sense? Yeah, so it's because small business especially, is, it fluctuates. And um, and it, unless you've got sort of like a membership where things are a bit steadier or even if they are, things can go up and down. It's just just to have, and you can have it as a same account really, but depends on, again, depends on how you personally like to operate. I like to have things separated um, just because it's easier for my brain to, to like compartmentalize it when I can see it separately. Um, but I also then manage it. So there's sort of like the, the bills fund and an emergency fund. The emergency is really not as important for a business. Again, depending on what kind of business it is, if you've got equipment that could break, then yes, it's very important. If you're an online business, it's probably more important to have sort of an overarching bills account so that when you do have those ups and downs, so it is, it is dependent on the, the business model and the structure of it, but it's it's really just to, to cover the ebbs and flows. So if there's um, a lot, for instance, last year at my, um, or actually year before now, we had, well, I was going to say emergency fund. I also had a car fund for my personal side because I knew I had a very old car that would need replacing. And sure enough, two years in, it needed replacing. So I was like, okay, great. I've got the money sitting there and that that just covers that. But then other things, so, you know, like there'll be, you know, even my newer car needed new tires um, or, you know, the washing machine breaks or something like that. And that's what the personal emergency fund is for. In a business, it's a little bit different. Um, so it just, again, depends on what you need it for, but it's handy to at least think about and cons- and go, do I need this? Or am I happy to just have a fund to cover the big bills that I know are going to come in, you know, business mm-hmm. insurance that comes through, or do you pay stuff monthly? How is it set up? And just to to have a, a plan for it. So you've at least got, it's it's not reactionary. 
This is a really great reminder for me because I used to do this. I used to have an account for groceries and then bills and then entertainment, eating out, um, all that sort of thing, car, insurance, you know, operating expenses. And now I just put everything into an offset account against our mortgage and just draw it down from that. So it's a really timely reminder. So um, do you recommend having these different accounts for groceries and you know you've only got a certain amount that you've budgeted for and if you run out at the end of the week or month or fortnight, however you do it, you need to go to the cupboard and get some canned food and make what you can out of the pantry. Is that kind of how what you recommend? Yeah, so I, I do like that because you can a lot of um, a lot of um, banks now will allow you to have sort of multiple accounts that are still sitting under your offset, so you can actually divvy them up. Um, and again, this depends on on your own personality. I've got one client who takes cash out every week for the groceries, and it's like that's that's my grocery fund for the week. It's basically it's kind of like the old envelope system. Yeah, yeah. And um, and she does that, and that's and that works. And if she's run out of money at the end of the month, then or at the end of the week, she does it weekly, uh, or you can do it monthly. Depends. I'd probably work better weekly because monthly I'd be like I'd spend the whole thing in one week yeah. um especially when the farmer's market's on so um but then and then it then comes down to like we just went away for a month and I made a point to eat the pantry and eat the fridge and it was actually really good because I was like you know what I've got so much food sitting in here and I just keep adding to it mm. rather than like getting creative and pulling stuff out and going oh what can I make with this and and then I actually start to eat through the food and then some of it was expired and other things I was like well I could actually give this to a food bank as well um, rather than just like hoarding it myself so it's um it's actually a really good exercise to do just to minimize clutter as well, but then also to get a bit more disciplined um, and thoughtful with food. And then you start to plan. And when you plan, you also eat better. So, you know, more more nutritious foods and stuff. So it actually has like a, a, a more holistic effect as well. Um, but yeah, so I do like the bucket system. Um, I don't go quite as um, sort of small as like groceries and car. I tend to have what I, for me, a, a bills fund, then I have a fun fund and that's for anything, entertainment, travel, wh whatever kind of comes into the fun category goes in there. So I, I, I manage my buckets a little bit differently, but again, it really is what works for you. There isn't a, you must do this, this, and this, this way. Mm -hmm. More, so your groceries uh, come out of your bills fund, do they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, so I just have generally, so I put a certain amount in there. So I've calculated my annual budget and then I put a certain amount in every month and some months I'll use up the amount I've put in other months I won't. Um, and then that'll cover also things like car insurance, health insurance, contents, what you, you know, all the, all the insurances and all the other, you know, car, um, repair and tires or whatever else might come up. You're uh, motivating me so much hearing this because I'm just thinking out loud now, um, even Combank, who I have mm -hmm. my, my banking with, they actually even already categorize all your spending so that you can go in there every month yeah. or even the last year and see how much you've spent on groceries yeah. and eating out, all that sort of thing. And that can help you work out a budget. Yes. Yeah. A lot of banks will do that now. They used to be separate apps. Um, I've tried out a number of apps over the years and I found them a little clunky because I spent more time trying to recategorize the things they got wrong, yeah. whereas the yeah. bank apps actually tend to get it quite right. Also because they notice your behavior and they'll see if you've categorized something that they got wrong, then they'll take that the next time. So they 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 learn. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's quite handy to, to have a look at. And it's often a bit shocking at first when you're like, oh, wow, I spend that much on groceries. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's, um, yeah. let's, let's fix that. So true. And actually also now, I'm not sure if you know, but you can go to chat GPT 
Mm-hmm. And I was watching it on the sh- uh, one of those morning shows the other day. And you can type in all the ingredients that you have in your fridge, in your pantry, and you can say, create a recipe based on these ingredients only. And it'll give yeah. you all the ideas just oh. using what you've already got oh in your gosh. cupboard or fridge. How cool is that? That is awesome. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that takes, see, and that makes it so much easier. There's so many tools now that make things easier. Like even investing, there's so many, there's, there's literally almost no excuse to not be able to do things because the chat GPT can help you meal plan. And I'm assuming you could also say make this nutritious or vegetarian or pescatarian. It would probably do that too, I would imagine. Probably, yeah. So this is really motivating me. I'm going to go um, from here and start doing a budget because I haven't got one. And also so many times we'll just go through drive-through. I'll finish late at night. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get a KFC Philip Burger combo because it's late and I haven't planned and meantime, the pantry keeps building up and then the grocery bills. And we, we threw out some mints this morning, which we didn't get around to cooking. So I think that there's so many messages in this for not only myself, but so many people generally listening to this podcast. So how can people get in touch with you, Alpha, if they want to work with you and, and help have that foundational meeting to um, to get things straight? Yeah, so I do I do a discovery call if anybody's interested in just finding out a bit more. Um, but I guess socials is probably the easiest. So on um on Instagram, it's alpha money made simple. Um, my email address is also alpha at money-madesimple.com.au. And I'm on uh, Facebook as well, MMS Money Made Simple. Uh, and my website is just money-madesimple.com.au. And on there you can find, you can contact me that way and there's all sorts of other pieces of information. Um, yeah, lots of free stuff on there too to kind of help. I've got webinars I've done, which I've put the recordings on there too. That's great. And if uh, you're listening to this podcast, um, you can't see Alpha's fabulous earrings. They're like piggy banks, I think. Giant bright pink piggy banks dangling with a dollar sign in the ear. I love it. Is that your signature sort of style or you have a whole variety of those types of pieces? Um, well, I have, I have calculated earrings. I've oh. got, I've, yeah, I found that I do love, I love earrings. Um, and I, I found these one time. I was like, oh my God, these are perfect. And my daughter's like, mama, mama, look at that. That's just you. That's money made simple. I was like, yeah. So I tend to, I tend to wear them when I'm doing interviews and things, but um, yeah, I just, I try and, you know, I have flowers or I'll have rainbows. It it really depends, but yeah, I tend to like to, because money can sometimes be a bit of a dry subject. Yes. (laughs) So I jazz it up with jewelry. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you. I've learned so much. Is there anything else further you'd like to add that we haven't covered today? Um, I guess more, it's just, ask questions. Like even if, if you think it's a silly question or, you know, even just talk to your friends because a lot of them will be like, oh, I didn't know that either. And I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a conversation or um, we should all be having, you know, what are you doing right now? How are you, are you, have you refinanced? How, How did you find it? How are you managing your groceries? Like I, I get these conversations a lot with people, but I also instigate them because I want people to be able to talk about it freely. Um, I think it's, you know, at this particular point in where the world is, having that sense of community and sharing ideas is really good. Like, for instance, the chat GPT on how to eat through your pantry. I've changed how I grocery shop, like, you know, sharing that with people just to give them ideas, shopping or groceries as a co-op even. Like just being able to share that I think is is really important and just to try and take this the fear factor away from the concept of money and that we can all do something regardless of what age we're at. There's something that we can do and to, to talk to, to friends and family about it and find out more. Yeah, absolutely. Alpha, thank you so much for coming on to Pitch Perfect today. It's been fabulous. Thank you too, Jamie. I love being part of PR Club.
Oh, yeah, I love having you in PR Club too. Thanks. So we'll link, put the links to get in contact with you in the show notes. Thanks again for coming on and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Pitch Perfect. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it and share it to social media. If you'd like to download my free paid speaking resources, go to jamieabbott.com.